Hello and welcome to The Five Minute Call. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into the stories of the people that make theatre happen. We are your hosts. I'm Claire Underwood and this is... I'm Oren. Throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing a lot of really interesting people and telling some stories in the hopes that it provides some value and some context and some understanding and insight into this industry. But I don't think we can do that until we actually say who we are <laughs> and what we do and, yeah. and why we have the, not the authority, why, why we have the, the audacity, the audacity <laughs> to, to, to be doing this. come in here this. and talk to these amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. So, who are you? Who am I? Okay, I am Claire Underwood. I'm a vocal coach. I work in the West End and in film and in TV. I've been doing that for nearly 20 years now. Prior to that, I was a singer. I did a lot of session singing, cabaret singing, where the voice was really used as an instrument. And I've got stuck now. Uh, and what? But there's no and. It's really hard. It's hard to think it's about. It's so hard, hard isn't it? Especially on the spot. Yeah. Which is why I, I applaud the guests for being able to come here fresh yeah. and just speak about their lives. Because yeah. it, it's difficult. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Suddenly you become deeply self-conscious. You do indeed. <laughs> so who are you, Oren? I am a singing teacher, business owner, entrepreneur. I've won various awards in business or singing, uh, or teaching singing, and more recently now uh, entered for an award in the AI domain. So I've built an AI for singers and for singing teachers. And I do a lot of voice research and a lot of work on a very niche area of the voice called straw phonation, semi-rotated vocal tract, SAVT stuff for those that are listening and don't know what it is, but thanks for looking it up. It is very interesting and I highly recommend you do. How did we meet, Oren? We met through a very lovely individual, Bradley Jaden. So he was playing Javert yeah. in Les Mis and I'd sent the cast just an array of products that we had, um, sort of vocal health products, and he was the recipient of one of them. And he had said that he thinks that you would be very interested in getting to know more about it and getting to like, you know, just having a chat. And he put us in contact. And I think literally from day one of meeting, we'd already put in the works, some kind of workshop that we were gonna do with yeah. the cast. <laughs> Uh, and then it kind of spiralled into we just have regular nerd outs. I got fascinated by the straw work. It was something I'd done a little bit of with my students pre-COVID, mm. but never to the extent that I now do from hearing you talk about it and understanding what it can do. And my God, it's made all the difference in the world to so many people in the West End, just keeping their voices fresh and exploring new techniques finding like the baseline of effort that they can use which obviously the vocal coach is the kind of stuff that I'm really looking for anything that can help me get there mm. so you know obviously I was immediately fascinated but I think the best thing is that we can sort of have a vocal decamp together isn't it oh absolutely that that's the <laughs> most fun there are times that we have you know agreed to meet up and we, yeah okay great we've got a session and an agenda for that session <laughs> And it's either, it's one of two things, either everything we'd planned just goes out the window because we've thought about something else and we've just got a, a, a new set of topics, or we fixate on one particular topic and just end up speaking about that for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and it's so delightful. I genuinely, I love it. It's the, some of the most fun you can have. You know, teach, singing teaching especially is quite lonely. Yeah. 
very lonely because everybody wants to be in their own little bubble and I don't want to share knowledge. I don't want to share anything because you're going to poach my students or take the, you know, whatever. It, I, I don't care. It's sharing and helping each other grow and develop and learning new things, I think, is, is really fun. And just I think, this... honestly, that feeling comes from um, the same place that many performers that I work with have, which is this somebody else is going to find out I can't do it. You know, it seems to be working mm. when I'm on my own in a room with people. Let's not disillusion them yeah. that there's some magic trick that I do when I'm teaching, you know. And I think that's a shame because each vocal coach, we might all start off with the same fundamental knowledge, but each vocal coach applies it in such a different way. And we could really learn from one another, as you and I do, when we sit down and just chat stuff through. And that yeah. is a magic thing. I completely agree. But I think for the most part, especially just between us, just having a chat and just exploring, even if it's theoretical, just creating this scenario and yes. then thinking about, oh, what, what does happen if you're, I don't know, up a mountain at altitude yeah. and you try and sing? <laughs> just, you know, just these random situations you're just figuring out what would happen to them i think it's just so we're fun doing that hiking thing next year are we where we go up oh yeah oh yeah, we, yeah okay, absolutely good, good, good. absolutely yeah we, <laughs> and a couple of years time we've also got a trip to mars planned to see oh, okay. what would happen only a couple of years <laughs> this podcast as a format is really fun these are unique stories that we're exploring and in understanding how those people approach this industry and approach their jobs even even through like through childhood or preparation or how they go about auditions or actually how they go about getting on stage and performing everybody is unique there is no one right way to do yes. it yes. and i think that's really special and it's it, i think it's just so interesting seeing and putting a highlight on we're all different everybody's different everybody's gonna have a different approach everybody's gonna have a unique story and just the more stories you tell just the more data you have to start bringing in your own understanding of how you want to approach this industry, you know, from the, the perspective of, let's say, the listener in, in this instance versus us as, as teachers. But even still, it works both ways. It's my endless fascination. There's a great line in Ted Lasso where Rebecca, played by Hannah Waddingham, her mother comes in to the football club and she is introduced to Ted. And I can't remember the exact line, but Ted says... He loves meeting people's parents because it's like reading the manual for how they ended up. That's not the exact <laughs> quote. But I find that with people's stories about how they've come. I always ask people at the, when I first meet them in a lesson situation about, tell me about your relationship with your voice. Mm. Like, how did, this, how did this come? Because that tells me so much about how you approach singing and how you're feeling about your singing right now and what it's informed by. You know, the route you took in shaped you and gave you the skills that you have and made you unique. And that's what I want to know when I'm working with a singer or indeed an MD or a choreographer or anybody else. I want to know what puts you here in this moment. I want to, I want to see the manual. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my fascination with hearing people's story. It's the psychology of, of it, isn't it? Yeah. it it's, it's, yeah. you, at least in the first instance, completely remove any idea of technique or anatomy or, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just who are you 
Where have you come from? What have you done? What do you know? And what does that mean to you? Which is so crucial because everybody is going to have a different word for different things and every aspect of vocal pedagogy for some reason has about 20 different labels <laughs> but um, yeah it's just that getting that understanding I think is so important so is that so your approach then is just understanding the person before you then go and approach actually trying to work on the voice at least getting a window mm. on the person before and you know there are other things that 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 conversation does in in a situation, often people are very nervous when they're meeting a new vocal coach for the first time. So allowing them to have a little bit of time, just human to human, before they bring you this precious thing that is their voice. Is really great. I'm also kind of doing quite a lot of background analysis on how the voice is working whilst they're talking. Um, but crucially, I think it puts us on, it often puts us on the same level because there's often a point of contact and a point of similarity that we can share right from the beginning. And yeah, that makes my job much easier and tells me a lot about which which side of myself I need to bring to this person to help them understand what's happening. I, I think teaching is about being a chameleon. I'm me from the inside, but I the way I present it has to suit the person who walks into the room. My energy has to suit them, my language has to suit them, and if I replicate it one person to the other it just won't work. So that conversation at the beginning gives me a lot of information mm. about those things. There's a lot, there's a lot of processing happening, and that's not a magic thing in me. That's that's a very human thing. Yeah. You know, that's what we're doing when we have a conversation. We are processing language but it's, and body language. And I think the amazing thing is picking out the expert parts of that that you need to then go and do the job, and it's just it's it's having that well experience, but but the knowledge of the in depth knowledge of the voice. So that you can have like these subroutines just you know yeah. it's not really even conscious sometimes no, no, no. it's just yeah. processing yeah. in the background as you're engaging with people yeah it's hard to turn off though i find oh impossible yeah impossible. like i could yeah. just be on the train or something <laughs> i'm overhearing somebody and it's just and i'm like i just don't care yeah i really like i just want to be nice and chilled out on this train and it's like somebody's maybe got just a little bit more twang or like and i'm my brain is oh, just i'm gonna give you one word Oren. <laughs> headphones oh <laughs> What a beautiful invention. Headphones, often with nothing running in them, just mm. like taking the sound out of the world as I go home is, yeah, crucial. Crucial. Otherwise, I come home like ragged. Overloaded. <laughs> Completely overloaded. Mm. We started this by saying that we delve into the stories of the people who make theatre happen. So what's your story? <sighs> the full Tell thing? Us, what um, do you want to know? I would love to know... Here you go. Like we're in a lesson. Tell me about you and your voice. I have had a interesting journey with my voice uh, from childhood. Uh, and this is, I guess, secondhand knowledge because I don't remember. But this is this is from my mother. Apparently, I was non-verbal until I think I was about four or five years old, something like that wouldn't talk to anybody and across my life there is potentially elements of neurodiversity um, but yeah I was just non-verbal and so it took me a really long time to even speak let alone sing all throughout school and high school I was the quietest person I just kept to myself didn't care about anybody didn't want to engage with anybody I just wanted to be alone to myself just 
town with my shit. So you're very comfortable with that. Oh yeah. Oh, I adore my own company, and it, it sounds really like cringy to say. I I love, genuinely love just being alone, in a room, with myself, even just doing nothing. You know, it's just I th- I just find a, a nice peace to it, especially with you know the world is bonkers. And there is so much stimulus all the time. In fact, I, this is why I said it earlier. When we first got into this room, it was so quiet. And just coming out of London and coming in here, I was like, this feels good. I just, I, so I love it. You ever tried those flow tank things? Is that what it's called? I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I really want to try I'm one. I'm really curious for that very reason. Yeah. But I also think I might be terrified. I think I would love it. So you're, it's the one where you're, you're like, you're floating on water, yes. right? And you're in this floats sensory tank, floats float tank. tank. Yeah. 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 You're, like, you're in yes. this sensory bubble. Yeah. Oh, I really want to try it. I yes. really want to try it. Maybe we should go try it now. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. So. He's silent and he likes being on his own so far. When where yes. did his voice come in? So uh, this is a really interesting thing. In, in I can't. I don't know if I've said this to you before, but I remember at one point during high school being in the library, and a group of friends, acquaintances, people that I knew just because they were neighbours. They were having a conversation. They were talking about this after school theatre school that they were going to go and try uh, just for like drama classes, improv classes, just for a bit of fun. And I, I don't know what sparked the decision in my brain, but something clicked and I just went up to them and I was like, I'll do that. I don't know why. I don't know what the inspiration for that thought was. It just happened. It was completely spontaneous. When you look back on that, does that feel like you? Oh, it's so weird. It's alien. It was like a, it was like a complete new inhabitant of this vessel <laughs> for, for some momentary reason had just gone and just uh, as an outburst, I'll do that. And it was literally, I'll do that. I remember the words so distinctly. And it, you know, we knew each other. We were neighbors. Our parents knew each other. I hadn't really engaged with them at all. Uh, and then it was. I went to this drama school at first one day a week for a few months and then two days a week for a few months. And then after a few years, I was there pretty much every single day. So finished school at four o'clock, get home. I was there by 5.30, didn't finish until eight. And I was, most of the time it was uh, drama and acting and improv. I freaking love improv. I would I and this is so weird because it is so far removed from who I used to be as a child where I would never get up in front of anybody or do anything certainly not family and after just having these classes I just adored just getting up and just making random stories up as as kind of this improv thing still wouldn't do it in front of family but I would happily get on a stage and just have a bit of fun. And I think that really made me grow in confidence and just in figuring out myself and my voice and like who I am. And then one day, because I am a big, tall person, uh, they were working on a show and they were like, oh, we need you. Oh, we need you to do this role in the show. I can't remember what show it was or what role it was, um, but it was obviously the male lead 
who is the big male lead. And they were like, you're the only one that can do it. And for comparison, the friends that I had there, like I'm, I mean, now I'm like six foot three. At the time I was probably six foot. I mean, I was tall. All of my friends were half my size at most. It was always, you just get these, you just, you, you have to do these roles. And the caveat for that is they include singing. Unavoidable. I remember outright, I don't sing. Not a chance of my singing. Um, anyway, I took lessons uh, with the, with privately with the teacher that was there just to get a bit of confidence. And I actually discovered that I quite enjoy singing. And from there, it then spiraled into, as I'm older, I'm at college, I'm at university. I'm also taking night classes at Central. I'm also doing classes. Um, I, I did a couple of months in uh, Holland doing some uh, cross-border cross-border stuff with uh, LCM, London College of Music. Um, so they had a like sort of an exchange program type thing in Holland. Um, and everything I then sort of did was just getting to know my voice and how it works and then understanding how to apply that to teaching. And as that went further down the rabbit hole it was i actually really enjoy the teaching side and understanding the voice mm-hmm. um and yeah just diving into the science of it from there um this is sort of how i came about to where i am now is sort of science-led i'm going to ask you an imponderable question but i'm really interested to know your thoughts on it that feels like that that moment in the library where you said i i can do that that feels like a sliding doors moment. Do you have any notion of what you might have done if you had not taken that route? So these are like fixed points in time, right? They're, they're distinctive enough events that if they didn't happen, your entire life would be completely different. You can get away with the small things, like you take a different route on the way to work or whatever. But this is like, if this changes, everything changes. Genuinely, I could not possibly tell you what I would be. It certainly would not be this. I wouldn't be in the performing arts. I wouldn't be engaged in the arts. I don't even know because I actually went to university and studied psychology, neuropsychology and music. And as well as that, as like an aside, I was doing engineering. But that only came about because I had done work in the arts and because I was interested in the in the science side of the voice. And then my mum was like, oh, you should do a fallback degree. You should do it. You don't want to do it. You have to do a fallback degree. And so my fallback was psychology, but then I wanted to bring some music into it. So it translated into neuropsychology and music. So all of that would not have happened if it wasn't for that first initial inspired thought. And I... I wonder if I would either not be alive or, yeah, I think that, and I think from a mental health perspective, a combination of during this period of of university, I had some major health issues and I had two life-saving operations and the only thing that brought me back out the other end and it took years was the joy of the arts 
and working on little engineering projects and just creative like being creative and doing things which then ultimately formed into the business that i have now and the only reason why those things happened was because at that point in my life i was so invested and interested in the arts and i don't know if i if i didn't have that you know maybe i would have had something else it's impossible mm -hmm. to know but if i feel like if i didn't have that i don't think i would have been able to bring myself to recover from those operations if that sort of makes sense it does entirely and i'm sure it will resonate with a lot of people and it's so. yeah the arts have saved many, many I people. Just, it's unreal. It, it, I mean, it's so hard to think about the ifs and the ors and, 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 and if it could have been different, how different would it have been? I don't know. Maybe I would have ended up in exactly the same place. Who knows? I feel like it would have been completely, completely different. Just my connection to this industry has, in every aspect of my life, had so many uh, points of you know, we're going through this, oh, but it boosts it back up. And we're going through this low time, and it boosts it back up. So, I feel like in turn, yeah. you, you spread that. You then in turn are now helping people. Yeah, I just, I know what it feels like, I think, to be beyond the bottom. And to know that, like, it could be a 50-50 either way if you live. And I want, I just, I really am passionate about getting people invested in this industry and, and enjoying this industry in any capacity. You know, even if it's just take a trip to the theatre, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun just to go and just immerse yourself in this world for two and a half hours. You don't have to think about anything else. You just get to enjoy this experience. And I think even if it's just that, that's great in itself. You'll leave feeling uplifted. I mean, depends on what you're saying. Some of some of it's pretty <laughs> heavy, but um, you'll you'll feel. I I truly believe that if you just give it a go, you'll enjoy it. Both sides of, of that, if it's from the audience perspective or just having a bit of a sing song every now and then. Yeah. I mean, there's so much neuropsychology um, in engaging particularly with music but it translates to singing and especially if you're singing with an orchestra and stuff like that there's a lot of benefits but when you engage in music near enough every region in your brain fires you, you just get the, and it, uh, there was a ted talk i think they they wrote uh, or they spoke about it as, as a symphony of neurons in your brain and everything from i mean if you're playing an instrument from motor cortices if you're singing at the same time, two different language processing going on. So you're processing language for music for for translating the words into melodic phrasing. And then you're also processing the meaning of the word. I mean, just your whole brain lights up. And I think it's so fantastic. And I think just engaging in some capacity in the ability to make your brain fire like that, people should just give it a whirl i mean so. let's do a whole podcast on this because we're in a geek situation are, again are, and i are. love it we are i read a thing the other day that was talking about um a study that suggests that uh performers and audiences brain waves sync as they're performing so about halfway through yeah. generally 
they start to be in sync. Yeah. And you just think from a connection point of view, that is just incredible. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same one that I had seen. I saw one that was looking at um, respiratory patterns. Mm-hmm. And as singers start to work together in harmony their respiratory patterns start to sync up which then syncs up their heart rates and so that everybody just becomes in phase and when you get that you get this almost i mean it's not mystical it's not not necessarily spiritual but i understand how it can be interpreted as that but you just get this environment where everybody is connected but not connected because they're all in phase with each other and then when you add that on to the cognitive aspect of being in phase i think it's just amazing we should right we'll do some do some other on nerds this. on nerd out <laughs> podcast on this i think it's really interesting if we go back to talking about stories mm-hmm. we gotta <laughs> we gotta dive into uh claire underwood what's your process or your thinking or your route to get from that young individual to now working on the West End with some um, amazing people. I grew up with musicians all around me. My mum played in shows, played um, percussion in shows. Uh, my godfather, who we lived with for a number of years, uh, played French horn in shows. My stepfather was principal percussionist at the Opera House. Um, I grew up in that world. My granddad was not a professional musician, but he wrote shows and um, loved music and played the piano and gave me my love of the golden era of, of songs, American golden era. There was some very high level performance happening all around me. And I was very used to going into theatres I mean, literally sleeping bag in the dressing room because mum couldn't afford a babysitter. Like, you know, so theatres were in my bones. Mm. Um, Also in my blood, my great grandmother was a a dancer, singer. So, you know, it's in there. Yeah. Very deep in there. Um, So I had been encouraged to play an instrument. I actually played many, but the main one was the French horn. and I thought I was going to go and be a French horn player. I was going to be a musician. Um, but I got a brace on my teeth at 16. Couldn't play the horn with the brace on. And fell back in love with singing, which if you'd asked me when I was little what I wanted to do, that I wanted to sing. I knew I wanted to sing <laughs> right back then. Totally the opposite Yeah, to you. right. Like, <laughs> completely the opposite. Um, so then post-18, I was definitely encouraged to have a... Um, a university education Um, so I went off to university I think the picking of that university was a bit random down to a happy experience when I went up you know as so many moments of my life are they were defined by a a happy shopping experience before the interview you know it's like (laughs) I bought a hat Uh, (laughs) so what so what you're saying is if if we need to get something out of you, we've got to take you shopping first. Yes, and it has to be successful. Suc- yes. So we've got to do a successful <laughs> shopping experience. Yeah. And then whatever comes after that is... It's all good. Great. It's all good. That is good to know. I mean, literally, I can actually mark out certain moments in my life by a good shopping experience just right before. <laughs> it's silly. I've never seen my life in that perspective. 
true, true. Um, so university, um, I wanted to go and do a postgrad in singing. I did go and do a postgrad in singing, although I would caveat that with I already had considerable discomfort in the classical world. When I was singing, I was doing a lot of classical music at university, but I was also doing cabaret and things. And that connected me to my family, this long line of, you know, shows. And I think that was just very powerful. But I wasn't a theatre girl. I wasn't involved in the productions at university. I hadn't been through my childhood. Um, so I was a bit of a fish out of water, but I was also a bit of a fish out of water in the classical field as well because I had one foot in musical theatre and cabaret. So I think there was a little bit of not quite belonging to anything. And when you put that in with um, a natural inclination to, to not necessarily trust myself or my instincts, I think I didn't push myself forward. I went and did a postgrad, but didn't stay on that postgrad year because that's a whole other story. But um, I couldn't. I the fundamental thing is I couldn't look in a mirror. I was encouraged a lot, as you do, to look in a mirror and see what my face was doing. Things I couldn't watch myself singing classical recital repertoire. It would make me cry. I would look at myself, and I used to have this real out of body experience where I saw this woman singing, and I couldn't make that me. There was a voice mm. coming out. And I could see her, but she wasn't me. And that kind of um, disassociation was happening more and more and more. And so I left that. Then we can kind of fast forward a little bit. I did a performance course run by ENO called The Knack. And that, uh, there's a specific moment during that year that is a kind of sliding doors moment in a way in that uh, there was a moment where I realised that being right about the music was not as important as being part of the ensemble of the music. I'd had very rigorous musical training. I knew what rhythms were. I knew what pitches were. That had never been in question for me because of my instrumental training. Yeah. And I mean, we were doing a piece and everybody kept getting this very wrong. <laughs> and then uh, Mary King, who ran that, course pointed out to me that there were 25 performers in the room and that 24 of them were doing it wrong and one was doing it right and at that point maybe the one needed to match the 24 rather than the right. other way around and she was absolutely right and that was a musical turning point mm. I also from that started doing teaching singing in schools for, as a peripatetic mm. teacher and then uh, my very good university friend had started working at Cameron Mackintosh. And um, there was a, a request for names to be put forward for a coach for somebody on one of the tours. And Steve said to me, I'd like to put your name forward. And I said, N no, N not, no, <laughs> don't be ridiculous. I have not done this kind of performing on stage. I understand musical theatre, like, in here, but I haven't done it. Um, no, it's a ridiculous notion. So off he went, and then his partner and my partner sort of performed a pincer movement on me over the course of about three months until I was just so fed up of them. I went, fine, 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 fine. 
fine, okay? I'll do it, but everybody's then going to know that it's a disaster and we can just move on, okay? So the gorgeous Lisa O'Hare arrived for a session and it was without question the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I loved my teaching in schools. I loved working with kids, but this was like another level. Something different, isn't it? Somebody who's so committed yeah. to what they're doing, somebody who brings their skills and their passion to it. Yeah. And and has developed you know their own their own picture their own um, lens on it and can share that with you it it was just magic and i was hooked and then i was very quickly pregnant with my first child and that sort of gave that's another little sliding doorsy kind of moment obviously steve getting me to teach was one and another one where it was like well I'm going on maternity leave. Maybe now's the moment I could just let that other work fall away and we'll see what happens here. And I literally taught in my mother's front room whilst she looked after our daughter in the other room. So anybody who knows me right back from the beginning days also knows my now very grown-up girl as a baby because uh, they all had to say hello to her on the way. Yeah, she was very definitely a showbiz baby. Yeah, that's how we get to musical theatre. <laughs> and from musical theatre to film and... TV and all sorts of things. And now I sit here. Stops in time. Seriously the luckiest girl in the world working on shows that I adore and still pinch myself when I'm in the room thinking, why on earth has this happened? I think it's wonderful. It's such an amazing journey. And I, a thought just came into my mind then. And I, I think it's actually quite interesting to know. Let's take the example of Name Is because we spoke about it earlier. But I can go to that show a million times because I'm going as an audience member going to enjoy the show maybe it's a new cast or working with new people you have to go to those <laughs> shows yeah. and keep going to those shows does that change the enjoyment of it for you it changes it but it doesn't lessen it okay I mean I have properly lost count of how many times I've seen them is but it's never because performance is live because everything I love about voices is live there in front of me. Um, and I'm watching performers that I have worked with in a room implementing some of the stuff we've worked on. So there's a little there's a little kind of moment of, we did that together, yeah. you know. Um, but there's also, oh, that's different. He hasn't shown me that when we've been in the room together. Like, we need, we need to incorporate that next time. So there's a lot of learning going on. You know, and it's a damn good show. It's a great story every single oh, yeah. time. And, and all of these ones that I'm working on are. Yeah. So I'm still... <laughs> I think I'm fundamentally gullible enough <laughs> that actually I can just go, oh, look, shiny new show. I can watch it again and again. I so just, I love the story. So the impact of the story is always the same for you it doesn't change is it is that because it, the performers are doing different things absolutely that's so cool absolutely and i'll see new things yeah in each new person that takes in on the role and i adore that i yeah. i adore watching a character who i have known and loved and and come to know deeper and deeper and deeper then show me something again that i hadn't thought of oh so that's really interesting as well isn't it because then you're taking the characters and translating them across multiple people yeah. as well yeah. so are you experiencing a different journey of the character themselves yeah. 
versus what audience sees. Yes, I think yeah. I probably am because I think I bring a history yeah. with me. But I, there will also be, audi- you know, especially with a show like Les Mis, there will be audience members who have seen every cast oh, yeah. ever oh, yeah. um, who could probably sit and have this conversation with me as, as well. I love watching the characters being reinvented in each in each craft that they sail in, you know. And it's really important to me when I'm working with somebody that I'm not imposing the previous person's Javert on the new Javert. It has to be his Javert. My job is in service to his performance. It's not in creating it. For as much as I work very closely with creative teams and they have things in their minds that they really want to bring out, I can help to do that. But I always maintain that I'm in service to the performer. Yeah. That's my that's my primary concern. Partitioning all the different versions and each time there's a new version it's keeping that partition separate so that that instance can be as unique as it needs to be. Yes, whilst also serving the needs yeah of of the vehicle as a whole mm. and frankly the machine as a whole because these big shows are machines um and and they are machines that need to um they need to continue to run and be consistent. You know, maybe maybe it's an unfair um, analogy, but you know, a uh, why am I going for a car metaphor here? I know nothing about cars. <laughs> uh, you started down the track of I'm, machine. You got to go with it. That's where it came from. <laughs> machine. Name name me a vehicle model like a Ford Fiesta. Fiesta. That'll do. It's a terrible choice, but that'll do. <laughs> a Ford Fiesta still has to look like a Ford Fiesta. Whatever they yeah. do to improve the engine inside, it still has to look like a Ford Fiesta. So, and whoever is, I'll just stretch that metaphor a little further now, whoever is driving it, it's still got to behave and function like a Ford Fiesta, right? So we have that in terms of these big machine shows. Mm. You still have got to preserve the character and the the reputation of the show and the story that was originally trying to be told. But I'm also very passionate that we have to honour the char- honour the performers who are carrying that. Because frankly, I have watched when performers are being squeezed into a performance that isn't theirs, and it's heartbreaking. And the um, the mental health effects of that on the performer are really serious and nobody should underestimate them. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. It's like me getting into a smart car. <laughs> you want to get into a smart car? Those things are tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to yeah, add a little yeah. light note to yeah. your... <laughs> no, but I do agree. Yeah. I do agree. Forcing something into a space... That it that it doesn't fit in, it does put an unnecessary toll on oh. the person that's being yes, squeezed. Yes, because their self-esteem is, yeah. is chipped away at for a whole yeah. year. They're in yeah, this contract, yeah. right? And and all year they're being called in for extra rehearsal and working on this and working on that. With it's it's very difficult to maintain your core self-esteem in the midst of that. You can, you can, and you absolutely. You know, that's what I try and do with people is say, no, this is about creating a character that sits in this story through you in the way that 
the company needs you to do it. But yeah, it's it's very easy for that to chip away at somebody's self esteem mm. and make them think they can't do it, they can't sing, they're not the performer they thought they were. It's not fun. It's a big role that you've got. I admire it. I do <laughs> admire it. You've got a this. I think there's there's more to it than than actually. I mean, you've said a lot, but there is the element of part therapist, part coach, part mentor, part life advisor. But I mean, it's just there's it's so many everything. components to this role. That it is 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 because people impressive. can't sing. It it it's here. It's not you know, and I'm not for a second by what I'm about to say, um, suggesting that instrumentalists are not giving their all and and speaking through their instrument but there is a fundamental difference between holding a violin or a french horn and using something that is fundamentally part of your anatomy to express yourself it's very very difficult to divide the two when something is going well in there so yeah, yeah it's a huge part of the, I completely agree. the job is taking care of the person yeah we started off this episode i don't think you mind saying somewhat uncomfortable at, oh, about how we were going to do it and look at it as soon as we're talking about one another's stories we're lit up and i think that's a human thing and that's really what we want to do on this podcast is tell people's stories yeah absolutely yeah i think it's a really nice way of putting it i'm not going to do it a disservice by butchering that so i'm just going to say that i agree genuinely Thanks, I, I do agree and it's um i'm excited i'm excited for where this can go i'm excited for the people that we have lined up to talk to and for everybody that's watching or listening i think you will also be very excited for some of the people that we have on here and so on that note like comment subscribe <laughs> just gotta drop that little nugget in there um no amazing that was fun that was cool thank you very much thank you for sharing your story thank you really precious thank you um this i love this so much thank you Thank you so much for watching our episode today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode in the future. If you currently are or have been affected by any of the topics discussed in this episode, please see the show notes below for some helpful resources.